Mike said, my name is Carrie, and I am the kids ministry director here. And I just love all our kiddos. I love my job. I'm so excited and humbled and a little bit nervous, if I'm honest, to share this lesson with you this morning. We're in a series called I Dare You, right? Now, I have aversion to dares. When I heard the name of the series, it brought me right back to elementary school, South Minneapolis, Claire Barton. A kid on the playground had dared me to shout a curse word. While my mom was a lunch lady, I took the dare, I yelled the bad word, and soon enough, it got back to her that her sweet daughter was shouting profanities on the playground. Yeah. Then I have a daughter, Len and I do, Molly, she's here, and um, she grew up across the street from twin boys. I think we have a picture of them. Aren't they sweet? But they were constantly daring each other. The boys had these little bikes and those ramps that you jump. I think of Evil Knievel, and I was living on a block with a bunch of little Evil Knievels running around. They even dared me to lay down between the ramps at one point. And then one night, Len and I got called up to the circle on our cul-de-sac, and the little kiddos were pointing up in the air. And sure enough, Molly had shimmied her way up to the top of the streetlight pole and was stuck. She couldn't get herself back down. So then, yeah, she's smiling. Did you get the, the fingers right? Yeah, fiberglass um, slivers. So she, dad coached her down, and when she got to the down, we asked her, why did you do that? And it was Zach or Theo had dared her to do that, right? A side note, they're all very sweet young adults. There they are, and the boys, Zach and Theo, were in Molly and Jake's wedding, yeah, last month. Very sweet. And now, you guys, with social media, who knows what this thing is? Have you heard of a Tide Pod? Yeah, and the Tide Pod Challenge, Tide Pod Dare. On the internet, kids are daring each other to eat these things. Don't do that. It's poison. So I do, as a kids' ministry director, want to teach kids about dumb dares, right? But this series is all about good dares. Dares for biblical courage, dares for growth in your faith, and for having an active faith. And each week, we've been talking about a different individual from the Bible. Now, when the pastors asked me to speak in this series, I knew right away that I wanted to speak on Nehemiah, you see, I had just finished Old Testament class, and I just fell in love and got so inspired by Nehemiah. So I'm anxious to share that with you guys today. Now, when I'm reading the Bible or studying or teaching the kiddos, I like to remember and share that we are reading one big, unfolding, true story of God's love for us and his plans for the redemption of his world. In the Bible, God shows love to his people by continuing to provide godly leaders to teach us and inspire us. And Nehemiah is just one of those godly leaders. Remember in week one, we talked about the pattern of God's people, that God sins, or I mean that people sin and sin causes suffering and people cry out and then God raises the rescuer all the way to the rescuer, our savior, Jesus Christ. So here's a little background information. The book of Nehemiah is in the Old Testament, and it's classified as one of the history books. 
The city of Jerusalem had fallen to the Babylonians, and they took thousands of Jews captive back to Babylon. Now, Nehemiah was born in exile, and he had actually never been to Jerusalem. Then the Persians came in, they conquered the Babylonians, and in the book of Nehemiah now, it's a time when Persia's in control, but they're allowing some of the Jewish people back to Jerusalem now. The temple has been rebuilt, but the walls of the city are in ruin, and the people are subject to attack. You see, back then, walls were everything to a city. You couldn't call 911, could you? Walls were even more important than the armies. If you didn't have walls around your city, it could never be rebuilt and thrive. Invaders could come in, and they wouldn't just dare you to eat that Tide Pod. They'd make you eat that Tide Pod, right? Yeah, you needed walls, so important. But we'll learn with Nehemiah, it wasn't just about the walls. It was about God's honor, too. Now, for those of you who know the story of Nehemiah, we often celebrate the end, don't we? Plot spoiler, Nehemiah takes a group back to Jerusalem, or to Jerusalem, I should say, and he leads them to build, rebuild the walls in 52 days. He's a great and awesome leader. And actually, many people study Nehemiah for his leadership skills. But today, I want to focus on the beginning of the story. Excuse me. Okay, so let's go to the text, you guys. Um, we are going to be in Nehemiah chapter 1, if you have your Bibles or your smartphones, and I think it'll be on the screen. And we are going to be reading verse 2 through 8. I'll go ahead and read it from us, and I am reading from the NIV translation this morning. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for 40 days I mourned fasted, and prayed to the God in heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you tonight, your servant, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. This is God's word. Now, I have two points I want us to zero in on from that text. I dare you to feel big, and I dare you to pray big. Let's talk a little bit about Nehemiah first. He was a regular guy who was going about his life. He was doing his job and walking with the Lord, not unlike a lot of you guys here. He was not a priest or a prophet or a pastor or a judge. 
He worked hard and he elevated himself up to a high position in government, the cupbearer of the king. In my research, I read that the cupbearer was like if you combined um, the roles of a prime minister, secret service, and masters of ceremony. It made me think like I pictured Daniel Craig or Pierce Brosnan came to mind. And as the name suggests, he did taste the wine and food for the king before it was given to him. And you can imagine this was the best food and the best wine, not like the box wine we have nowadays in our refrigerators, ladies. He was in a key role to the most important king of that time. And all this to say that Nehemiah had a great job, he was living in a castle, and he was basically set for life. And then we learn that Nehemiah's brother comes back to Jerusalem, and Nehemiah, he knows he's walking with the Lord. He knows the importance of Jerusalem to God, and he asks about the Jewish city, and he asks how the people are doing, and he learns that the people are in great trouble and disgrace, and the walls are torn down, and the gates have been burned. Nehemiah hears that news, and it affects him profoundly. We learn that he basically drops to the floor and starts weeping. Have you guys ever felt that kind of news? News that just took your knees out. Now remember, Nehemiah was living 800 miles away from Jerusalem, and he was learning about people that he had never even met. And he wasn't being fed this news every day like we get on Fox or CNN or Twitter. He had a different kind of compassion, didn't he? I like listening to Pastor Matt Chandler. He leads a big church. I think it's called Village Church down in Texas. And he was trying, or he was talking about Nehemiah's reaction. And he was trying to figure out if it was just a description of Nehemiah's heart or if it actually was a biblical expectation. It was kind of funny. He confessed that he hoped it was just descriptive and not prescriptive, that it was history and not a demand. But he did discover through his studies that this type of compassion and big feelings is what God would ask from us, his people. It made me think of Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, now you guys, a little bit about me. I'm known as a big feeler. Thank you. No, that would be my husband in the tech booth. Yeah, no heckling. I can cry pretty easily. I've been known to stuff a feeling or two. Can anybody relate to that? Thank you, Kathy, Jill. I've had to work hard, and I ask God's help with my big feelings. Some people, they just dismiss their feelings, or they scroll on to the next story, right? It's so easy to do right now. Nehemiah could have easily done that. He could have said, oh, that's too bad for them. I hope they get their act together. Hope they get those walls rebuilt, especially when he was living such a comfortable life. 
Or sometimes we can get overwhelmed and just wallow or stay in the pain. This can happen so easily, especially now, right, guys? The news, it just, it seems like the bad news never stops. And it becomes crippling and it can become isolating. How many people in this past year have just said, I need a break from the news. I just can't watch it anymore. I know I have. Or sometimes our big feelings, they can make us bitter, offended, angry, and we just react. I did this fun game. It's fun because I, I call it a lesson, but it's really a game. Or I call it a game, but it's really a lesson. The kids don't know that. So we break them up into two teams, and we had team react and team respond. And so team react, we defined it reacting as acting without thinking. And then team respond, we gave them the definition of giving yourself time to pray and think about how you'll be part of the solution. So then I read off different scenarios, like what would you do if someone butted in front of you in line? And then team react had fun coming up with ideas that you can imagine, kiddos, um, punching them in the arm or different things. And then team respond would respond. Well, we easily discovered that team react was not very and did not act very wisely. And this was all fun in pretend and in our game lesson, right? But there's a lot of reacting going on in the world right now, isn't there? People are reacting with tweets, texts, Facebook posts, conversations, even violence. Things are being said without any thought and relationships are getting hurt. I've heard the stories, Mercy Road, Friendships, families, marriages, neighbors, all being hurt over big feelings. And grown-ups, our kids are watching us. They're watching us react. Our kids are having to deal with a different world than us, right? And we want to teach our kids a biblically grounded way to verbalize their feelings, develop compassion, empathy, and self-control, and to understand their wonderful God-given emotions. We have some great resources here at Mercy Road. Greg, can you put up some of the books that we have? Um, we also have these, I think Mike has shared about these before, you guys, phase guides for every age of kiddos, and they offer um, wonderful ways to facilitate important conversations at each age or phase with your kids. I would love um, to share these resources with you and check out our resource wall or talk to me anytime. Now, I wonder if things would be different if we all acted a little bit more like Nehemiah. He definitely would have been on Team Respond. And how did Nehemiah respond? With prayer. He was a man of prayer. And that brings me to point number two, you guys. I dare you to pray big. And we were talking as a staff here, and we kind of um, came up with this thought that we think number one, point number one and point number two need each other, don't they? You need to allow yourself to have those big feelings, sit in them for a little while, and then bring those feelings to God in prayer. We need time to seek God and pray about what action we should take. 
Not all of us are going to get called to huge infrastructure projects like rebuilding walls or solving world hunger. Sometimes God might just want us to pray. But he will use our pain, compassion, and big feelings if we bring them to him. We need to learn and to teach our kids that our feelings don't have to control us. Every gathering with our little ones, we like to do check-ins at all ages. I think I've got some pictures of our little check-in circles here. And the other one was my view from a, a Wednesday night. I love that view. And what we do is we just go around the circle and we ask the kiddos about their good things, good feelings they had from the weeks. And then we ask them about their hard things and any hard feelings they had during the week. And then we pray over those with them. We want them to learn what Nehemiah knew, that God is with them always, that God has big plans for them, and that God wants a relationship with them. Parents, grandparents, aunties, and uncles, we want to partner and model with you to teach our kids how to handle our big feelings and to use the awesome gift of prayer. It's so important. I found this graphic, and I just, I just love it. It says, teach your children to pray so if their little hearts feel heavy, they can go to God and not the world. Amen? Yes, we want this for all our kids, don't we? Nehemiah responded in prayer. What did he do with his concern and his sorrow and his pain? You notice that he didn't just react. He didn't fire off in anger or stay crippled in pain. He didn't avoid it or he didn't stop thinking about it. He turned to God. And Nehemiah models big prayer. He praises God. He confesses his own sin, plus the sins of his family, plus the sins of the Jewish people. Imagine that. When is the last time that you confess sin for your neighbor's actions? He prays boldly. I love that. He reminded God of his promises to his people. And if we would read on in the story, we learn that Nehemiah prays continuously. He did not act without praying, and he did not pray without acting. I want to read that one more time. He did not act without praying, and he did not pray without acting. Now, I do want to say that Nehemiah's prayer life is not a structure or a step-by-step. -step. That's not my point here. What I want you to know is God is way more interested in hearing what you have to say, and that you're seeking him out. Prayer is faith. Prayer is believing that while I can do nothing, God can do everything. Prayer is laying down your heavy burdens before God and trusting him to carry them. Prayer can be defined simply as talking to God. That's how I teach our little ones. We're just talking to God in every situation and in all circumstances, all day long, good or bad. Nehemiah knew this, and he lived this, and we can too. So today, you guys, I dare you to feel big and turn to God and to pray big. And now will you pray with me? Gracious God.
I thank you for this opportunity to share about your servant, Nehemiah. Thank you for his lessons and let them settle into our hearts. We praise you, God. We confess our daily failures and we ask for your forgiveness. Help us to raise the next generation with compassion and wisdom. Help us, Lord, to respond and not react, to feel big and to take those feelings to you for guidance and peace. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us so well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody.